T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's a hump day home and home with some fascinating hires in the NFL breakneck speed are they hiring head coaches and now cleveland is on the clock with a whole host of candidates to bring in we'll break them all down here and also what sports moment would you tattoo on your body we have a a guest coming up who tattooed the miles garrett helmet swinging incident tattooed that on his body we will ask him why in the world would he choose that particular moment in sports history home and home radio.com sports original we're brought to you by zip recruiter check them out ZipRecruiter.com slash enter smartest way to hire in 2020 strangest way to hire in the nfl right now by moving so quickly Although it makes sense when you want to snag Ron Rivera, when you want to get Mike McCarthy not to leave town and Matt Rule not to go to the Giant, not to go to the Giants. And then the Giants, though, that's the baffling one. Why do they move so quickly with a 38-year-old special teams coordinator, Joe Judge? We'll break that all down this morning. But we start this morning on Hump Day with the question we asked you on Twitter yesterday: what professional athlete deserves a beating. Would you like to see step in the ring and take a beating? We asked that because Antonio Brown challenged a YouTube star, Logan Paul, to a fight. Logan Paul stuck the landing. I'll drop you faster than the Patriots. Ross, uh, look, I had a lot of answers for this. I think Colin Kaepernick, I'd like to see him step into the ring. And I certainly would like to see Philip Rivers take a few shots to the jaw. Yeah, well, you know my answer. I, I want it to be Belichick, and I want it to be the Patriots beat writers. I want it to be like <laughs> Digstown, the movie Digstown, and every every Patriots beat writer gets one round in the ring against Belichick because he's so condescending. He's such an ass to them in those press conferences. I Can you imagine? I mean, you worked there, Dave. If yep. I was there... For like 10 years, I mean, I would daydream about getting a chance to push, punch him in the face if I were a member of the media. I actually liked him as a player, but if I was somebody there for 10 years asking those questions and being like, no, 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 oh, I would daydream about getting a chance to hit that dude. I worked uh, as essentially a beat reporter in Boston for six seasons. And while my first first few years were hating those press conferences, I came to appreciate it. I came to laugh off the, the, gr- the grumpy, angry answers and really look for the nuggets in there. We became we had a little game where we'd like to quiz Belichick about a moment six, seven, eight, ten years ago in his career and see how well he could remember it. And every time he remembered the incident with incredible encyclopedic photographic knowledge of the very moment and the situation. So yeah, I don't know. I would be curious how the guys that have been there, you know, 10, 15 years, I think they've probably come to appreciate it and laugh it off, but I did love your answer and I'd love to see it. Although I I tell you, some of those beat reporters would take a beating. Mike Reese is awesome, but Belichick would crush him. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, you're probably right, but uh, I'm. You know what? I think Mike's a little feistier than you think. I'd like. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Mike. I think Mike can. I, I think Mike can probably move pretty well. All right. Well, one guy that was not in love with our take, our uh, concept, our discussion, our question for the viewer was Stephen Ruiz. He's the lead NFL writer for the win. Got to follow them on Twitter. Always outstanding conversations whoa, whoa, being whoa. out let there. Me, let, me, let me get the first question here, okay? Can I get the first question, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Please. Steve, Steven, why do you hate me? Why do you hate I, me? I don't hate you. I hate your takes. And specifically, I hate your Kyle Allen takes. <laughs> so do All I. Right. So, does, so does Dave, by the way. So you guys, you guys will team up on me on that one. But let's start with the segment we did yesterday. Because um, I got to be honest with you, Stephen, I, I was not familiar with your work until you started tweeting me and making it clear you hated me. And then now I've been following you a little more. So maybe it works. Maybe that's what we should all do. Just make it clear you hate somebody and then you can get their attention that way. But one of our millennials, actually, he's not even a millennial. What's he, Dave? Generation Z? What's Jordan? Generation Z? Z. Yeah. He came up with the idea after the Antonio Brown thing, and we thought it was a good idea. He's like, who in, who in uh, professional sports would you like to see get, get in a fight, get in, a, get in the ring? And so I tweeted, which current sports figure would you most like to see get the crappy out of them, like Logan Paul would do to AB? Kind of joking there, but whatever. And you said, um, you tweeted, Stephen, this is a very cool and definitely not unhinged segment to do so you were very critical of the segment and we wanted to afford you the uh the platform to explain why have you guys talked to anybody on twitter have you seen sports fans on twitter i feel like they take a question like that and run with it it's some of the comments the replies to that tweet were pretty unhinged i'd say uh i like athletes they entertain us i don't want to see the crap get beat out of any of them i mean maybe there's some that deserve to be punished by the law, but I don't know if I want to see any of them get the crap beat out of them. That's not why I watch sports. That's not why we watch sports either. There's, there's no one you'd like to see in all of sports today or in the past step in the ring and, and exchange a few blows. Nobody. That's a different question. Like, I want to see some guys box, but I don't want to see guys get the crap beat out of them just to see them get the crap beat out of them. I mean, like I said, there are some guys that are obviously not good people. I'd put Antonio Brown in that category. But that's like a, a serious discussion about the law and stuff. I don't want to see him just get the crap beat out of him for just because he dunked on my team one time or beat me in the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Anybody in the media you'd like to see take a beating? Other than me. We were on the same page there. Uh, No, no. Okay. All right. So, so Steven, here's my thing. Um, And because you, you replied with a couple more tweets because people was your issue that people would respond um, and say things like, I want to bash Clowney's head or whatever that one guy said. Or was your issue just naming anybody that you'd like to see get in a ring and get punched? Like, I thought my Belichick thing was funny. You know, right. uh, Dave thought um, 
you know, Philip Rivers because he's always talking trash. You also thought Kaepernick because of what Kaepernick said about Iran recently, and he didn't feel like Kaepernick was informed on that. Was your issue just the fact that we were naming people or that it could in, in, in encourage people on Twitter to take it to another level that was not where we were taking it, where they're like right. verbally describing the people in the way they want to see them smashed or whatever. Yeah, it was mostly that second thing. But I mean, even the first part is a little, I don't know, like beating up Colin Kaepernick because maybe he doesn't have the most informed take on Iran. I don't, I don't know about that. But yeah, it was mostly that second part because like I said, have you met sports fans on Twitter? Yes, yeah, they are. <laughs> they are an extraordinary group. But I want to, I, I want to see. Let I want to get some some takes from Stephen Ruiz here. Okay, so uh, earlier on a Radio.com affiliate, Terrell Owens was making some interesting uh, points. He suggests that the Dallas Cowboys should not want Dak Prescott. They should want someone else to play quarterback next season. Let's listen to what. Uh, what Terrell Owens said on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, and I want to get your take out on the other side. Listen. My other idea, I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter, my other genius idea, this is this is T.O., the GM, speaking and thinking right now. All right. They've already made the one move that I mentioned, and that's hire Mike McCarthy. In order for Jerry to get back on top and put the Dallas Cowboys um, back in contention for a legitimate Super Bowl, they have a quarterback that's a free agent in Tom Brady. That's the next move. And I'm not saying that say that to discredit or discount what Dak has done and his availability and his skill set, but I say that because he hasn't extended Dak's contract. So that leads me to believe he doesn't truly believe in Dak. If he had, then I think he would have already got a contract extension. Terrell Owens, 105.3, the fan in Dallas. I'm going to hold off my opinion on that. Steven, what do you think about that idea of Tom Brady next season over Dak Prescott in Dallas? I have to ask, when was the last time T.O. watched an NFL game? Was It had to have been before this last season because Dak was better than Tom Brady this last season. I know he had a better supporting cast, but just when you separate all that, Tom Brady missed a lot of throws that we're not used to seeing him miss. And Dak Prescott, I think, was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I know there were certain games when his accuracy let him down. He held the ball too long. But I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think it's been a year and a half since we've been able to say that about Tom Brady. So, And then there's just the age thing. I mean, you sign Tom Brady, how long are you going to get him? One, two years? I think Jerry Jones is trying to build something for the future. And Tom Brady is not going to be a part of your future. Uh, Steven, thank you. We finally actually agree on something. And uh, part of that is that T.O. clearly has no idea what he's talking about. Dak was definitely better than Brady this year. Yes, the supporting cast is part of it. I think Dak, maybe until week 12 or week 13, was a very viable MVP candidate. I thought Dak was one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL for most of the season. You know, now that game in Philly in week 16, he was awful, and so were his receivers, but I thought he was fantastic. Uh, let's probably not listen to what T.O. says because he evidently doesn't watch the games. Um, I do watch the games when the Carolina Panthers play, Stephen, 
And this is how I first learned about you and your fine work at For the Win. I wrote a column in which I did not think that the Panthers should immediately reinsert Cam Newton back into the lineup. And you strongly disagreed. And again, I don't remember the tweets other than you saying, I love Kyle Allen or whatever, which wasn't really the case. But Dave thinks I love Kyle Allen too. So who knows? Maybe I do. But I wanted to give you, you the platform again to tell me why you thought I was so wrong about the Panthers leaving Kyle Allen in there. Well, I think the, the response was actually, I'm awaiting your article on Teddy Bridgewater remaining the Saints starter. But yeah, and that and that and by the way, by the way, that was good. That was that was good. <laughs> but I but I would tell you this, Stephen. I would tell you this. Number one, if the Saints did that, I would not have been in an uproar. Now, it's not what I would have done, but I would not have been in an uproar because they were rolling with Teddy Bridgewater. But the difference is, I mean, with Drew Brees, the Saints had just gone to the NFC Championship game and should have gone to the Super Bowl. They were winning. Cam had lost his last eight games in a row and clearly was not himself, whether it was his foot or shoulder or whatever, clearly wasn't himself. And my argument was that, and hopefully you have a subscription to The Athletic and you read it, not just the tweet, but my argument was it wouldn't be putting Cam in a good position. Like Kyle Allen was 5-0 and as a starter at that point. If you put Cam in, as soon as they lose a game, people will be like, oh, see, put Kyle back in. My argument was, as long as they're winning with Kyle Allen, let him stay in there. And then after Kyle Allen loses a game or two, then you put Cam in. I just felt like it'd be a much better position to even reinsert Cam. Agree or disagree? Uh, I disagree, just because I think fan opinion maybe yes. Because I, think, I do think fans in Charlotte are hard on Cam Newton. Certain fans are, but I think in the locker room, those players realize they see these players every day in practice. I mean, maybe they haven't seen a healthy Cam since the beginning of last year. I will say, at the beginning of last year, Cam was an MVP candidate. They were six and two when he was putting up career numbers. So I think it hasn't been that long since we've seen a Cam Newton that you could build around. But I think if you put in Cam Newton, the locker room understands why you're putting in Cam Newton. He's obviously the more talented player, he's the better player. I thought that Kyle Allen's stats at the time looked better than his actual play. He fumbled a lot. That didn't show up in the interception stats. I thought he left a lot of plays on the field. That's not going to show up either. And I thought the offense was really set up to make his job easier. But I did read your article, and I thought one of the big things was that the locker room, they're winning, and the locker room might rebel if you change things up. And I don't think that would have happened because I think that locker room does rally around Cam. If you hear the quotes about them, especially like at the end of the year, they're all saying like Cam's our quarterback. If we're if Cam was in there, I think Gerald McCoy said if Cam was playing, we would have been a playoff team. So I don't think you would have gotten any blowback from the locker room. And that's actually what matters. The fans don't matter. We agree on Kyle Allen. I always felt like he was a guy, a girl, if you will, that you'd date, but never a girl you'd marry, because ultimately in that conversation, it's all about a ring. And I never felt like Kyle Allen is a guy that's going to get you a ring. A guy who has six rings, Tom Brady writing on Instagram this morning, a long, long post, two pages, I think, takes me at least two pages to get to. Uh, there's a post on this on For the Win right now, in which 
Tom Brady ends this long post, 391,000 likes, you can learn from failure. Pick yourself up with great enthusiasm and place yourself in the arena again. And that's right where you will find me because I know I still have more to prove. Tom Brady clearly does not have more to prove having six Super Bowl rings, but what do you make of the Instagram post? What do you think uh, is the ending for Tom Brady? Is it in New England, elsewhere, and if so, where? Uh, I think it's elsewhere. He's definitely going to keep playing. He's made that clear. I, I've heard the Chargers. I think Chris Collinsworth said the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. I don't see that. If you're Tom Brady, you're looking for a good coaching staff. I think a good offensive line. And a division you can win in. And I don't think the Chargers give them any of that. If I'm Tom Brady, I'm probably going to go to the Colts. I like their coaching staff. I think they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And they play in the AFC South, so he could win that division. And I think going to a Patriots rival is something that he'd be interested in. He's a hyper-competitive guy. I think he senses the Patriots are kind of maybe giving up on him. I think there was that report about uh, Belichick preferring Jimmy G over him until the owner stepped in and then trading Jimmy G. So I think he has something to prove against Belichick, too. I would not be surprised if he ends up in Indy. Yeah, I still think, Stephen, that he ends up in New England. I think that Robert Kraft is going to put a lot of pressure on Belichick to bring him back. And like he did a couple years ago when Belichick wanted to, at some point, transition to Jimmy Garoppolo, I, you know, maybe Belichick gives him the stiff arm and maybe Belichick says it's him or me to Kraft. I just don't think Belichick feels that strongly about it or feels that good that he could get somebody else that's better for the next year or two. I think he's probably going to hassle him on the contract like he always does. But ultimately, I think that Kraft can do it in a way with the upfront signing bonus that Dell figured out. So I still think it's most likely he's in New England, but it'll be very interesting. I, I said, ever since I was there, uh, Stephen, I was there in 05 and 06, I always said that he would end up somewhere else because he would never think that he couldn't play anymore. Like, I just know the way he is, and like the way he is where he just he put on Instagram, I got more to prove. I mean, the fact that he's going to be 43 and he says he's got more to prove is why he's Tom Brady. And I knew at some point Belichick would say, yeah, no, you're not the same guy anymore. But Brady wouldn't feel that way. So we'll see. I, I always predicted that that would happen. But now I'm saying I think he stays in New England. I did want to ask you a couple more things, Stephen. I'm going to be in the booth Saturday night for the Ravens and the Titans. And I pulled up your column on Dean Pease. I didn't get a chance to read it yet, uh, but I have it on my phone and I'm looking forward to reading it. But can you give me your thoughts on Dean Pease going against Lamar Jackson and more or less help me prep for my game Saturday night? Right. Uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't struggled a lot during the season, obviously, but the times he has struggled, I'd say the Chiefs game was one of them and the Steelers game, they ended up winning. He threw a couple picks. One similarity between those defensive game plans was they disguised a lot of coverages and if you've seen Dean P's defense that's basically just what they do that's what he's known for that's what he's best at and they've been using this concept that I wrote about in the offseason it's got it was got big in college last year it's getting used more and more in the NFL it's called uh, like a creeper it's like a blitz design where they're 
not really blitzing. They're dropping a traditional pass rusher out and sending a linebacker or DB. So you're getting a four-man rush, but it looks like a blitz to the quarterback. And I think that at least has a chance of giving Lamar Jackson some problems. Like it, it might confuse him a little bit. It might make him pull the ball down when he should. It might make him throw into coverage, which is what happened against the Chiefs. And they did a lot of coverage des- designs. So while I think the Ravens are going to win, I do think this is a, like it's a good matchup. And I think the Titans might have a little bit of a chance of staying in the game. All right. So give me one upset you think will or at least likely to happen this weekend. Oh, I'm going to pick the Seahawks just because I think they have the better quarterback in that matchup. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. I've said this forever. If I could only have one quarterback for the next 10 years, it's Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL. He, I was on sideline Sunday. He made three or four plays in that game. It is just ridiculous. Especially with, I don't know how he sees some of the things he sees at times. It's crazy. Last thing for me, Stephen, I can tell from your Twitter feed that you are big on minority hiring in the NFL and the Rooney rule. Dave and I have been talking about it really for the last couple days. And I guess my question now at this point is, do you have a solution? Like, do do you have an idea for how it can be better? I, I don't like short of forcing owners to hire minority owner uh, coaches. What can you do? They put in this rule, but it's up to the owners to actually, you know, take it seriously and give those minority coaches a chance rather than just giving them a token interview. So I don't know what you can do besides changing the owner ownership out and putting in some more people willing to hire a more diverse coaching staff. Yeah. I would really like to see of all the things he weighs in on, Where the hell is Colin Kaepernick on this issue? This is an issue I think he could actually lead on. And unlike what's going on in Iran, he could be informed on very easily. I'm baffled by his silence on this. I'm also surprised that the word racism is always left out of the conversation. Isn't the process racist? And it might not just be the owners. It might be the head coaches because they're not hiring Um, quarterbacks coaches, line coaches, young assistants that are minorities. It's the entire process, isn't it, Stephen? Yeah, I think racism is a word that makes some people uncomfortable. I think it's something that we Mm. should use more often and point it out when it happens. But I definitely, I I don't know how you can deny that racial bias affects not only the hiring, but the firing of black coaches. Like I heard Ross bring up Steve Wilkes and Vance Joseph in the last segment. Those guys got one season. Like Matt Patricia is getting three season, and he's been a disaster from handling the locker room. They were, players were like revolting. Like after training camp, the defense is the worst in the league, and it's getting worse. And he's getting year three. Gus Bradley got four years, and he was the worst coach. Like in terms of winning percentage, he was the worst coach that has ever gotten three years, besides a guy from like the 30s, and he owned the team. So I mean, I don't know how you can deny racial bias doesn't affect these hiring and firing decisions. Yeah, it's a bizarre situation, and certainly something needs to change. Officiating will have to be addressed. Let's hope the NFL tries to address this problem in the offseason. Steven Ruiz, we appreciate the time. Check him out on Twitter and on For the Win. So you, you don't hate Ross. Did we did we clear that up? I don't hate him. Just cool it with the Kyle Allen takes, and we can be, we can be cool. <laughs> hey, you know what? 
Look it out, boys. Let me just say this, all right? I defend the undrafted free agents. And I thought Kyle Allen was playing pretty well. And what I hate <laughs> is when a guy – I was an undrafted free agent, Stephen. So what happens is if he was a first or second round pick, people would have been like, wow, this guy's doing well. They're winning. He, they're, they're scoring all right. But because he's undrafted free agent, as soon as he had one shitty game, it was, <laughs> Benjamin, he sucks. Put Will Greer in. Guess what? Will Greer sucks. Kyle Allen was way better than Will Greer. Everybody wanted to bench Kyle Allen for Will Greer. Kyle Allen was definitely better than him. I just thought a guy who's in year one, his first year didn't even count, should get a little bit longer of a leash like like the first round or second round picks do when he was playing that well or they were winning at least. I agree when the alternative option wasn't Cam Newton. Like once Cam Newton was out for the year, I agree with you. I look up my Will Greer takes if you want if you think I hate someone. I don't really hate Will Greer, <laughs> but I hate his game. Got it. Thanks, Steven. Mm-hmm. Anytime. Appreciate the time. All right, Ross, did you feel like you guys hugged it out? H- had a little moment there? No, I don't feel like we <laughs> hugged it out. I feel like Steven's excellent. He he's got strong opinions. He doesn't like some of mine. This is what should happen, by the way. It shouldn't just be a tweet here, a tweet there from me to him or him to me. And th- like if if society took more of the tact that we just took there, like rather than just sniping at people or whatever, bring them on. Let's talk about it. What? How, why do you feel the way you do? I feel the way I do. I understand the way you feel. Okay, here's how I feel. What a concept. Whoop What a concept. And this is my issue with pretty much everything. It doesn't seem like people are able to have reasonable discourse. That's how we get better. That's how we all improve. America should be like home and home. America should take the forget it. Planet Earth could could learn a lot from radio.com sports and home and home. The earth, <laughs> the planet could learn from us Ro- here. I mean, Ross Tucker is making people billions of dollars with his ideas. He's he's curing the world of its of its issues and its angst and its anger. And you are saving the world one tweet and one comment here on Home and Home at a time. I agree with you, sir. I, I thought, look, Maybe I'm just not the hot taker that, that exists so much out there today, but when the whole Joe Judge thing went down and the instant was reaction, ah, he's a wide receivers coach. What the hell does he know? I mean, like, look, we have no freaking idea. Let's step back. Let's do a little homework and let's have a little understanding. But that's just what we think here on Home and Home. And we got a lot to get to on Hump Day here, including what sports moment would you tattoo on your body if you had just one option? One football fan tattooed the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph helmet incident on his body. Why? We'll ask him about that. We'll also hear from WFNZ on the hiring of Matt Rule and the huge money. Seven years, $60 million handed out to a man who's never coached in the NFL in terms of a a coordinator or a head position. A lot to get to in the next 30 minutes, my friend. You mentioned hiring, Dave. I love it because I love hiring and I love talking about hiring and I love talking about ZipRecruiter. They send your job, 
you're looking for a job, whoever needs to look yes. for a job, to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands, literally thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Happy hump day here on Home and Home. Breakneck speed. NFL teams are hiring head coaches and a dump truck full of money being paid to Matt Rule, seven years, $60 million, possibility of making $70 million for a man who's never been a head coach in the NFL nor a coordinator. And judgment passed right away on Joe Judge, the special teams coordinator for the New England Patriots, going to the New York Giants as their head coach, 38-year-old Joe Judge. Home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the only people that hire faster than NFL teams snag their head coaches. Coming up in just a bit, what moment in sports history would you tattoo on your body if you could pick just one? Well, one NFL fan has the Miles Garrett helmet swinging incident at the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mason Rudolph Garrett suspended for the season. Why did he do that? We'll talk about that in just a moment. But we start with the coaching carousel, which has just about come to a stop. Just one open job, and that is in Cleveland. A lot of quality candidates, uh, Stefanski, Biannimi, McDaniels, a lot of coordinators in the running for the Cleveland Browns head coaching job. But it was Matt Rule that really stunned the sports world in terms of how quick it came together and the money that was paid to the former Baylor coach. He turned around Temple. He turned around Baylor in breakneck speed. And that's how fast David Tepper found his man. Let's go to WFNZ, Charlotte, North Carolina, a radio.com affiliate with instant reaction on their new head coach. Steve Smith Sr. is back with us. Uh, hey, Matt Rule's the next head coach of the Panthers. What you think? Uh, I think it's a good. I think it's a good call. Now it's going to be what happens now that he's a head coach. It's a fantastic hire. He has coached just about every position on the football field. He's as well-rounded of a candidate as you could find, and he is a great leader of men. Somebody who's been well-respected in both college locker rooms and in the NFL. Two of his big calling cards are that he's a really bright, forward-facing guy. And yes, that does mean he knows how to implement information a la analytics, but also his player development. And I think those were the two things. If you could pick out two things that maybe Ron Rivera, quote-unquote, didn't do. This guy's been a builder in different places. Temple was kind of a disaster when he took it over. He built it into a heck of a, a, heck of a good job. 
Then you go back and look at Baylor with going through the Art Bryles stuff and look at what they did last year, took Oklahoma to the limit twice and almost got into the college football playoff. I don't think this job is nearly the build job that he's taken before in college football. For the first time in about six weeks, I feel I, I, I at least have hope and I'm excited because we actually have the direction that our franchise is going in. And this is going to be an interesting offseason to say the least. I hope we keep Cam. But I'm actually excited, guys. So keep pounding. Let's go. If we feel confident in Cam Newton beyond next season, then there you go. You've got six more years under contract. You've got your franchise quarterback in his 30s. Let's roll with him. Or Cam Newton can't stay healthy. Is it the same guy? Whatever. And you decide going into next year, we got to go find ourselves a new franchise quarterback. That's reaction to the hiring of Matt Rule, the former Baylor head coach WFNZ in Charlotte, North Carolina. We know this about Matt Rule. He is a turnaround expert. He came to Tampa first year, 2-10 in 2013. Two years later, they were 10-4. and four. Baylor, first year in shambles after Art Bryles won 11 in 2017, 11-3 in 2019. But, Ross, this isn't necessarily with the Panthers, a turnaround-type situation where you have to change the culture. Nonetheless, you love this hire. Well, I do, and that's because I've known Matt for a long time, and he's very impressive. Um, I'll go way back, Dave. Uh, When I first met him, he was the offensive coordinator for Temple. As you know, I live in Pennsylvania. I have a recruiting business. I do a lot of stuff with high school football, and he he was everywhere. In fact, that whole Temple staff was. Al Golden was the head coach, and they were everywhere. High school coaches were everywhere. Prospects were. It was impressive. And every one of them, including Matt, would stand there. They would talk to you, and they were all over it. I mean, they would have great conversations with you, and they said, this is where you got to be. This, I mean, we're trying to build this thing. You got to come to stuff like this. The Pennsylvania State Football Coaches Convention, they were there. Um, and then I would go to their camp, and they liked some of the prospects that would send down. He was always impressive that I mentioned, interviewed him for the Princeton head coaching job. He was very impressive. Everybody was sort of blown away by what he did. Uh, he didn't end up getting offered the job. I don't know if he would have taken it anyway, but – He certainly was one of the two or three best we interviewed for sure. Ended up going to the NFL with the Giants, had a good experience there. Gets the head coaching job at Temple. And Temple had kind of come back down. They were up with Al Golden. They kind of went down. They bring him in, and he takes him to heights that Al Golden wasn't even able to take him to. Then you go to from Temple to Baylor after the Art Bryles thing. I mean, Dave, who wanted to go to Baylor? Baylor was 1-11. and 11. It was an absolute joke. And then this year, they go out, and their only two losses are to a much more talented Oklahoma team by this much in each game. He is, uh, you know, he's done it in multiple places. Very impressive guy when you talk to him, when you interview him, all those things. Doesn't have a ton of NFL experience. That would be the negative. And we'll see if that is a negative for him. But for him to get that job, I mean, David Tepper could have had a lot of different guys, the owner for the Panthers. He identified rule more than anybody else. I think a lot of people thought Josh McDaniels 
might go to the Carolina Panthers. Nope. He wanted Matt Rule, which tells you a little bit about how impressive he is. If you're Matt Rule, the chance to go somewhere where you are the first hire for that owner, I mean, you can't get much better than that, Dave. No, I, I prefer the situation in New York because you have a quarterback to build around. You have a guy that, yes, I've gone too far in saying that I think Saquon Barkley is a Hall of Fame type running back. I think there are more pieces to build around right now, a quicker turnaround for the Giants than perhaps is the Carolina Panthers. But you do have Christian McCaffrey, a couple of talented wide receivers. Um, and also, I think if you're Matt Rule, and you're, you've coached at Baylor and you've coached at Temple, do you really want to go to the spotlight, to New York City, the number one media market in the country? I think Carolina will, will be a, a softer um, approach by, by the fans, by David Tepper. They'll give him more time now. They may have four quarterbacks on the roster. As we wrap this up, though, do you think the contract, seven years, $60 million, could be worth $70 million, raises the tide for all boats? I didn't think that with Gruden because Mark Davis is just a different cat, but I'm guessing that contract is not going to be so welcome among other NFL owners. Yeah, they won't like it because they like trying to artificially, in my mind, deflate the value. But the reality is, Dave, I mean, that's not even – $9 million a year. It's just about for Matt Rule. Nelson Aguilar, as a average slot receiver for the Eagles, got almost $10 million this year. I mean, what are we talking about here? Arguably the most important person in the organization versus a guy that isn't in the top 15. Mm. I actually think head coaches, all coaches, should be paid a lot more. And you know what? There's no salary cap for him, so you might as well. Right. Right. And I think this is going to be the game changer moving forward. I think eight, nine, ten million dollar coaches is going to become the norm across the league. Right now, of course, the biggest story in football is the divisional round of the playoffs and the coaching carousel. But it wasn't that long ago that the biggest story in the NFL universe exponentially was the Mason Rudolph suspension swinging Mason Rudolph's helmet at the Steelers quarterback. Some felt this was an incident that could have killed the Steelers quarterback had he hit him with the crown of the helmet on Rudolph's head. Thankfully, none of that happened. Garrett suspended the rest of the season. Fines were handed out. I think when we look back on this NFL season, the 100th, that will certainly be one of the moments we remember in history, and it is immortalized on the skin of an NFL fan, and that fan joins us now. Adam Elkert tattooed the Miles Garrett helmet-swinging incident on his body, joins us now. It is awesome to have you, Adam. First, can you show us the tattoo? Where is it? Yeah, I can. It's uh, on my leg right here, and I couldn't see it. Dear God, that is glorious. So you've got Dog Pound, and then you've got Miles Garrett, yes, swinging Mason Rudolph's helmet at him. So why did you want that tattooed on your leg? Uh, I guess it wasn't really specifically something that I, I, I chose. It was just something that um, a friend of a friend have put out on uh, Facebook, and um, 
he's reached out to me knowing that I was originally from Ohio, living in Texas, was a, a big sports fan, and he put it out there to put his name out there, and so I would be honored to just to put that opportunity on my leg, especially stir the pot a little bit. Why not? Adam, I don't know if you could hear me earlier or not. What's wrong with you, bro? I mean, where, where, where did it all go wrong? That you get a tattoo that big of that incident on your leg, like what? What is like what is going through your head when you did that? I mean, no, nothing special. It's just a a big moment. I mean, nothing against my team or the Browns, but they haven't really had anything super exponentially exciting to tattoo. So I mean, when they get something big, maybe I'll get another opportunity to tattoo my leg, but. This is it for now. <laughs> All right. All right. Take us back through your long, tortured history of becoming a Browns fan. Uh, why are you so attached to the organization, and how agonizing has that been for you? <laughs> um, just being a Browns fan ever since I was, you know, younger, being originally from uh, Ohio, um, Ever since I can remember, you know, maybe the first team I, I enjoyed was, you know, Dallas Cowboys being the uh, America's football team. But growing up and seeing my dad, you know, really have that that faith and attachment to uh, the Cleveland Browns just really brought a different game to the, the the TV. But yes, over the years, it's been a <laughs> agonizing struggle. But loyalty is something to share. But so hopefully, when they do, hopefully, want to do something, like I won't have to be on that uh, bandwagon jumper too much <laughs> all right so adam what what is it about uh miles garrett hitting mason rudolph in the head with his helmet that you liked is it just that it was against the steelers or that the browns aren't taking any shit anymore like oh, what yeah, is it that uh, compelled you to be willing to do that <laughs> it's uh definitely because it gets the steelers it's uh been the biggest rivalry at least you know the browns situation for sure, but um, yeah, I mean, it probably would have been 110, 110% better, you know, Roethlisberger perhaps, but you see him on the sideline just being glad it wasn't him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely against the Steelers. Did that moment, Adam, make you more or less a fan of Miles Garrett swinging Mason Rudolph's helmet at him? Um... I mean, it's a, it's a good, uh, <laughs> it's a good, I guess, memory that we'll never forget, but I mean, I'm more of a fan. I mean, I like UFC, but I mean, coming every so often never hurt anyone. Yeah, it's funny because Miles Garrett, I think, is very misunderstood from that moment. He's a guy that does a lot for people off the football field. Tremendous player, defensive player of the year type talent. Um, here's my question. If your Cleveland Browns can win a Super Bowl, what will you pledge today on Home and Home to get tattooed on your body next? Oh, something definitely was Super Bowl-wise, or even, even the playoffs would be nice every so often, but... Definitely Super Bowl wise. Hopefully, if they have like another glorious moment like what uh, <laughs> I got now on my leg, I would love to have a tattoo of something like that. You know, Browns wise. You know, other than <laughs> promoting violence, so that'd be nice. <laughs> All right. So, how long did that tattoo take, and how much did it hurt? 
uh, took uh, one session, uh, eleven hours. Just, just, just went through the pain. Had a couple uh, breaks here and there. Um, it didn't really start to get hurt until it started to get the Steelers stuff. I don't know if it was just because I was getting Steelers on my body; it was burning. But uh, it, it just started to hurt maybe with the white. But eleven hours. It's the longest I have. <laughs> That's brutal. All right, last question. And I, I can't imagine a single tattoo. I can barely get my blood taken at the doctor. I'm such a pussy. Um, so last question is, who do you want as Cleveland Browns' next head coach? They're the only vacancy left. Oh, man. That's a, that's a good one. Rumors are having it that, you know, some like uh, McCarthy or even Urban Meyer would be rumored. I think Urban Meyer would be really cool, even though he kind of had that health issue, whatever, with his head or whatever. But I think he does that every so often with Ohio State anyway. So I, it'd be cool, Urban Meyer. I think that's a hell of an idea. I think Urban Meyer would be a terrific head coach in the NFL. Everything he's built in college at all those stops knows how to identify talent and lead a ship. Mike McCarthy's off the market, just so you know. He was hired by the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. Eric Elkert, that is an awesome tattoo. Show it to us one more time. I know it'll lose the sound, but just show it to us one more time before we go. There it is, dog pound on the bottom. Just so people believe that this is the real deal. It is not faked. That is on the leg of Eric, and it is a beauty. Thanks for joining us, brother. Really appreciate the time and the 11 hours of pain you endured. Thank you. Good for you, man. Appreciate it. All right, (laughs) Ross. So here's the obvious question. And I've got three candidates. What sports moment, if you were ever, if you had to, if you had to have a sports moment tattooed on your body, what would it be? You think that is the obvious question after that interview? (laughs) Um, well, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Those questions are referring to, we can't answer, my friend. We cannot yeah, answer. I mean, that, answer that, what, what, what you just asked is not the obvious question after that interview. <laughs> I could have a couple of obvious questions. I mean, wow. Wow. In fact, now I regret not even taking the interview longer because I would have wanted to know does he have a girlfriend or wife? Like, like what do his parents think of the tattoo? Like, I could really go deep down a rabbit hole with our buddy Adam there. Uh, I mean, wow, man. Wow. He's still hanging around I, if you have another question for him. Adam, are you still there? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So, Adam. Adam, do you have a... Do you have a are you married? Do you have a girlfriend or anything? I do have a girlfriend, uh, five years. She's actually a huge Seattle Seahawks fan, so she's not really worried about me too much. <laughs> All right, so, so so, what does she think when you told her you were going to get that tattoo? Like, what did she think? <laughs> she's asked me, um, is that something you really want? Because it's going to be there for the rest of your life. <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, it's Brown's kind of Finally hurting the Steelers. So yeah, I absolutely want that. <laughs> okay. And you don't think you'll ever you don't think you'll ever regret that, Adam? No, sir. hundred percent not. I would do it all over again. Especially when my okay. grandma messaged uh, me up uh, saying asking for a picture and her <laughs> saying it's absolutely beautiful. 
no regrets. <laughs> okay, that actually that actually answers all my questions right there. If your grandma <laughs> wanted a picture of it and said, because I was going to go into a big psychoanalysis of mm -hmm. your family, I was going to go back generations and try to figure out where it all went wrong and what happened. But now I know, <laughs> Grammy. Grammy yeah. says it's beautiful and wants a picture of it. I, I'm good now, Adam. I, I am good. That's all I need to know. It started with grandma and maybe even before her. Got it. Okay. Right. I love it, baby. I think it's outstanding. Everything I love about sports is on your right leg. Adam, thanks again for your time. We will, we will let you get back to your Wednesday, my friend. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, brothers. Thank you so much. Okay, Ross, do you feel like you better understand Adam and the intentions and the desires behind the tattoo? Yeah, yeah, I think I do now. Um, I, I say this a lot, Dave, and people don't understand me when I say this, but there are a lot of people like Adam out there, and there are a lot of people from places where Adam's from that people never think about. You know, whether that's politics or sports or what have you, uh, there there's just a whole different aspect of our country that I think a lot of people don't really know exist. And I think Adam was a pretty good example of that. Um, the passion and uh, the willingness to do things like he did, that is that is something. Um, I, that's an interesting question. First of all, there's nothing I would want to go all the way back to your question about something tattooed on my body. The answer is nothing. Um, if I had to, man, it would be something I was a part of. You know what I mean? Like it would be something that was special mm. to me. If you're talking about as a fan, it probably was Penn State winning the national championship in 1987 Fiesta Bowl and beating Miami. Like as a fan, if I wanted to commemorate something in tattoo form, that would be it. But really um, it would be something for me from high school, college, the NFL. I, I don't know what it would be. It'd be something about me and the NFL probably to kind of recognize that. I don't know if it's my first start right. or making the team or whatever, but it'd be something, something like that. Yeah, you, you have a different perspective, having accomplished an awful lot in your athletic endeavors. Now, someone like myself who who tapped out at my senior year in high school, no, there is nothing worthy of a tattoo in my athletic past. So I thought of three, because I'm more of the fan here. And so I thought of three moments that really are crystallized in my mind. One, the miracle in Michigan. And I don't know how well you remember Colorado beating Michigan, the famous Hail Mary into the end zone. We call it the miracle in Michigan. I don't know what Michigan fans uh, call that moment. Uh, talk a lot about that with Christian Fourier, who was in on that very play. Number two is Duke over Kentucky. The throw from Grant Hill to Christian Leitner. The turnaround jumper, dagger. One of my favorite moments. But I was too you know young I was both there, of those. Right, Dave? We talked about that, I right? I do know. Before? I do know. Okay. You have told that story, and I'm jealous as hell. So I settled on number three because I was a little older, and it's really my favorite one moment as a fan. Can I guess? Can I guess? John can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, yep, can yep, I guess? Yep, yep, go. Yep. 
the John Elway helicopter against the Packers. <laughs> did, did, wow, I'm impressed, man. I'm no, impressed. Because, because, well, number one, that would have been my guess probably anyway. But number two, you said you were a little bit older. I know how much you love the Broncos. They're your number one. I know how much you love Elway. And when you were a little younger, they had lost those Super Bowls. So you had to live with that. And then when they finally won it, and the iconic image of that is either Pat Bowen saying, this one's for John. Either that or Elway doing the helicopter. Look, I didn't care who won that game. Elway doing the helicopter was sweet as shit. There's no question. And so that would be a pretty cool tattoo to have. I don't know how you would visualize like the swoosh or the helicopter part of it. Like I'm sure yeah. they could come up with something cool so that people knew what it was, but I knew it, dude. I knew what your number one would be. <laughs> you stuck the landing. I think we've got to do a lot more on this subject here on Home and Home. It could be a sports tattoo bracket. I wonder if even that uh, tattoo by Adam Elkert, um, I wonder if that's the most ridiculous sports tattoo. Probably not, because remember there was a Cleveland Browns fan, and we should have asked him about uh, this. I think there was a Cleveland Browns fan to start the season last season that had Super Bowl champs with the exact uh, Roman numerals of the yes. Super Bowl. Cleveland Browns, Super Bowl champs. So that one might be more absurd because that will forever make no sense. And you're going to have to get that one probably erased because you're never going to be able to just add a Roman numeral because they're not winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. Do you have any tattoos before we go? No, I don't. And I never really got close to getting one. I never seriously considered if I had to have gotten one ever, I would have wanted to get it like in eighth grade or ninth grade and Ooh. something like an armband, you know, something around my bicep or something for when I was playing football that just made me look like a badass. But yep. the thing about tattoos is like, it's really, if it's going to be cool at all, in my mind, it's like when you're playing basketball or football and you're like young. So my advice for the kids out there, if you're going to get a tattoo, get them early. Get them at like 12, 13 years old so that the other kids are intimidated and horrified that you have mm. this big tattoo while you're out there kicking their ass in football or basketball. Because by the time you're done playing sports, you're just some old guy with a lame tattoo. So the earlier you get it, the better. Ross Tucker just told <laughs> just told kids to get tattoos at 12 or 13. Generally, you are delving out wonderful advice here on the program. Not this time, buddy. <laughs> Not this no. time. Because now, dude, now if you're, you're gonna get a tattoo, off. get the mileage from it. If you're gonna get the tattoo, get the real the real value. You can't tell me. 12-year-old tattoo kid isn't getting some serious you-know-what from the ladies. 12, 13, 14. If you're the only 13 and 14-year-old that has a tattoo, there's a lot of girls that like the bad guy. There's a lot of girls that want to date the bad boy. Get tattoos, kids. Let that be a lesson. Don't do drugs. Do get tattoos. Wonderful life advice from Ross Tucker to close out a hump day home and home. I'm saying 16, 17, 18, maybe even in college when you figured some shit out. But 
Hey, let's end it with that advice from Ross Tucker. Kids, get your tattoos at 12 or 13. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for being here, everybody. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.